Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Enterprise Sales Development Podcast, brought to you by Science Technologies. We interview outbound leaders at fast growth businesses to learn their secrets and bring you actionable insights. Thanks for joining us this week. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Enterprise Sales Development. I'm Eric Quanstrom, CMO of Science. And I'm Harry Evans, Director of Craft and Strategy at Science. Bam! Boom! Bop! <laughs> this episode today was probably the most bombastic, most honest, raw, opinionated, fun listen that we've had in quite a while. Doug was so much fun, and especially from you know the background and the space he works in, to see that kind of energy was, was such a delight. Doug calls himself the OG SDR, and I think he has a right to do that. He's been around the block. Give our audience a little bit of background. Doug's been with Oracle, Monster Cable, Google, Salesforce, Box, and is now a growth partner at Emergence Capital alongside of being a mentor and advisor at places like Sales Assembly, Forum Ventures, and GrowthX Academy, and all that extra spare time that he has. What a guy. He just packs it all in. And literally, that will be the tone and tenor of this exact episode. Doug Landis, actually, one thing to tease that you got to listen for, he lays out his five kind of steps or strategies for every SDR with every account that they work. And you know, what's really important about this is these five kind of strategies are real world. They come with the stress testing of all the emergence capital portfolio companies, which frankly, that's Doug Landis's world. Let's do it. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining us and really happy to be with Doug Landis today. Doug, thanks so much for joining us today. Ah, thank you. This is, is going to be a fun conversation, I can already tell. This is going to be a fun conversation. Uh, you know, we were chatting beforehand about how do we start this? There's so many topics, so many introductions we could do. But what we settled on was you described yourself as one of the original OG SDRs. And Eric and I couldn't let that go without bringing it up. So <laughs> would love to start there and hear what that means in your words. Yeah, I have a, uh, I have a, I have a love for the, uh, a love and appreciation and empathy for the role of SDR in the world today. I can I can tell you that much. Uh, I'll start by just breaking down a couple of myths. The first myth is that you know Salesforce created the SDR kind of ecosystem, and Aaron Ross is the creator of the SDR role in the world. And I'm just going to tell you that's a lie. It didn't start at Salesforce. It actually started at Oracle. And guess who worked <laughs> at Oracle in the early days? Mark Benioff, because he worked for Larry Ellison. I guess he was one of the first investors in Salesforce. Larry Ellison. What do you know? It actually all started at Oracle, interestingly enough. And Mark was just smart enough to bring it over to Salesforce because it made a lot of sense. And Aaron happened to be there early enough to watch it build and develop and evolve. But SDRs, we were, and this is, you know, this is all gray hair. This is not, you know, I'm, not, I'm no longer in my 20s. I'll tell you, you know, back in the day when we were at Oracle, and this is one of the things I really appreciated. Of course, it was completely insane. I mean, it was 5.30 in the morning and everybody always has these stories, but we had to get right from San Francisco down to, you know, what we call the the, the towers, if you will. Um, Redwood Shores. Yeah, yeah, Redwood Shores, right? 5.30 in the morning in a suit at the office. We had to make a hundred calls a day. We got a printout every day that was dumped into Oasis, this green screen application. And yes, I know it sounds like it. We'd walk uphill in the snow both ways. I get it. But the reality <laughs> is... Is I shit you not at the at the at the end of a month they would literally put a line in the bottom ten percent and you were on the chopping block every month so like every month we were freaked out as to whether or not we were going to get fired but I tell you what we learned just insane insane level of discipline and understanding of the art and the science of 
cold calling because that's largely what it was. We didn't have a database of all this incredible information. We didn't have LinkedIn. We didn't have Facebook. We didn't have any of that. It was just like, here's a sheet. Let's do some analysis based on the on the business. And I, you know, Hoover's was like the modern data intelligence site way back then. We try and gather as much information as we could. But honestly, it was just picking up the phone and, and being able to have a real business conversation. And, and it, it kind of leads me to what my core thesis about the world of SDRs today is, is I fundamentally believe that we've done this whole audience a giant disservice and we've dumbed down their role into some very, very brief activities and we and we treat them as you know as like robots doing these activities when we honestly we should be focused on having a business conversation how do you do that well let's talk about that <laughs> yeah i mean actually it's kind of interesting that you point that out because at the fundamental root of all of this is opening up a sales conversation around the business of the person that you're talking to isn't it totally it's not about qualification. God, I swear if somebody else comes up with a new new acronym for qualifying, qualifying a lead. Well, first of all, they're not a lead. Let's let's just get let's 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 like like erase the whiteboard that we all have and start fresh. You know, leads, horseshit. They're all contacts. You're a person, you're an individual, you're a contact at a company. Now, look, I get Salesforce, HubSpot, you know, Oracle, whatever it is, your whatever your system of record for your CRM, Microsoft doesn't really isn't really set up this way which is kind of which kind of sucks but at the end of the day everybody is a contact and the person you're calling is a contact and not until you have a real conversation with them and un understand what's going on in their business and develop three things connection credibility and empathy in your conversation and if you can do that then there you have a higher probability of being able to turn that contact into a lead at the core, right? So that's where it, that's really truly where it starts. You know, it's interesting. A little background uh, is something not a lot, a lot of people actually know. But you know, my first very first job out of college was I worked at Black and Decker, and I was selling all of the accessories for the power tools. So like, yes, I was like Tim the Toolman Taylor. I worked construction growing up, so I like I love tools. I love building shit. But it was crazy. So like the, the you know saw blades, drill bits, screwdriver bits, everything. That's like software to hardware. They make a ton of margin on it, right? So they sell a $3 screwdriver bit and it costs them like 30 cents. So it's sweet. So I literally covered Canada to Mexico and I had a company car and expense account and a bunch of tools and accessories in the trunk. And I would just drive and find hardware stores. And the interesting thing that I had to do in the moment, I was like, oh, there's a hardware store on the map. Of course, map, no, no phones, no cell phones, no GPS, no, no. I like had that. Thomas Guide. Thomas Guide. Yes. Thank you. Love those things. They're like this big, and you're like, fuck, where am I? I'm taking 30 minutes to figure out where I am. Um, I pull into this hardware store, and then I literally probably have maybe five minutes to do an assessment on the outside. And then you walk in the store and you do a quick assessment of the store on the inside. And then quickly people will notice that you look like you work for a company that's trying to sell them something. So like, cool, can I help you? Doesn't look like you're there to buy something. So in a matter of 10 minutes, I've assessed the entire business. Now I'm ready to go talk to the owner about you know what's going on in their business. So that what I'm pointing out is this skill of being able to assess and identify someone's business and what's going on, so you can have a real business conversation with them. And and again, I think that is a skill that all of us, whether you're SDRs, whether you're AEs, whether you're executives, doesn't matter, need to continue to develop. Because here, here's a great exercise for all you SDR leaders out there: pick a company, just a random company, share it to your team, and ask for an assessment back about the business. What's going on with this business? What do we know about them? What can we hypothesize? What do you understand? Are they growing? Are they not? Are they focused on revenue? Are they focused on cutting costs? 
Are they hiring? What's what is this, what's the status of the business? Where do they fit in the industry? Where what, what can you find out about them or understand about them in a matter of three minutes? Ninety you know, seconds. You're hitting on maybe the hottest of hot button issues for for me, anyways. Especially given the fact that you know science is helping clients all over the spectrum, hundreds of different industries, from large to small, including Salesforce as a client. And it's really interesting because I feel like the one thing that if I could choose above all else to start a conversation is to know where that conversation should start. Right? Like I can't know where that conversation should start unless I've done this kind of like assessment. Yep. Totally agree. Totally agree. Well, I mean, I think, I think actually there's two parts to that one, you need to know where it should start and two, what you're trying to, what you want to get out of the conversation. Exactly. Right? So if you don't know where you're going to go. Yeah. Oftentimes like, and, and of course it's, it's a lot harder when someone calls you back, right. And you weren't expecting it. And that's, I love calling. I love answering the phone when SDRs call me when they're not expecting me to answer. I answer them like, hello. And they're like, Oh, Oh, Hi, is this? Uh, and then they just start going to their pitch, and I'm like, "Oh fuck, are you kidding me?" Have you ever seen the movie uh, Boiler Room? Boiler Room. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. He's like, go. Okay, "Let's do that again. Let's do that again." He's like, "No, no, I always get. The, I already get the times. Goodbye. I get the times." <laughs> yeah, but but I love it because I think it's such a great exercise. It's a great opportunity for for like real coaching and live coaching. And 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 by the way, as like a little side note, um, I know there's some businesses out there that do that. I wish more companies would do that more often. And like their onboarding or early the early uh, development of their SDRs, they would just take some people and create these like lie, almost like real life situations where an SDR just pick up the phone and call you, and then boom, we're having a conversation. And give them because you know oftentimes we just throw them in and we're like, here's your territory, go. It's either like you're answering calls or you have to start making calls. And I tell you what, man, that's not really the place I want you practicing. Now, granted, if you're if you do tier your accounts, you've got tier one, two, three, and four. Maybe you can take your tier fours, and that's like your playground where you just go try different shit out, right? You you know that's that's what you use to test, you know, for for your your as you're on board all of your your new SDRs. But that exercise is the best because there's nothing better. I mean, we could you, whatever training you put somebody through, there's nothing better to actually getting on the phone and having that real life conversation. Well, that's like why one of the things that we practice and preach is uh, mock calling and recorded call sessions. And yes, really totally. Not on just hypothetically, here's some platitudes about how to make a call, but here's your call and let's freeze it every 12 seconds and have a five yep. minute discussion about what's going on there. I noticed that you do a lot of mentorships. Um, I, I saw at least three different groups are involved with Sales Assembly, <laughs> Forum, Forum Ventures, Growth X Academy. Is that the type of thing that you mentor? Is it more career growth and business? Uh, you know, how do you help? Oh man, it kind of covers the gamut. I mean, right, right now, uh, and, I, and I've largely spent my career in helping to build early stage companies. I was super fortunate. I was early at Oracle, Google, Salesforce, Box, and now for the last five years, all we do is invest in early stage, Series A, B stage companies. So I'm a builder, right? So most of my most of my mentorship right now is on the building side. Okay, when do you need to hire your first SDR? When do you need to hire a VP of sales? How do you build a capacity plan? So that's all the stuff that I really focus on now. But interestingly enough, every one of my companies, of course, goes out and they hire AEs and they hire SDRs. Mm-hmm. And, and they all invariably end up treating them largely the same way. And it, and it, and it pains me. Um, and this is why like, each year I try to focus on one area of development that I think all of our companies can really uh, can, can, can leverage and use. And this year, it's really been all around having a business conversation. Um, I, I initially called it advanced discovery, but I'll tell you this much. I, I, I despise discovery. 
as a stage, as much as I despise every single qualification criteria and acronym that exists out there. So all of you SDR leaders, fucking get rid of those. Here's the deal. I've bought millions of dollars of software. When you call me, I don't have budget. I don't know who's actually going to be involved in this buying decision because I don't know exactly what I'm really solving for. I don't have a timeline because this is likely relatively new. Now, granted, even if as a buyer, I was out in and I was maybe I was doing some some I was doing some digging on uh, new new marketing automation technology because honestly, I don't like marketing cloud and I don't like Eloqua or Marketo. So I'm looking for something new that's a little bit more modern, maybe a little bit better than HubSpot. And so I start doing my research and then all of a sudden someone finds out because they're using six cents or something like that, that I'm in market and they start prospecting to me. And maybe you call and I pick up the phone. It doesn't necessarily mean that right there in that moment, I thought through all of those things that you want to check off in your checklist to determine whether or not I'm a lead, right? So throw all that out the window. I highly recommend you shift gears and you have a real business conversation. And, and, and if you want, I'll break that down, what, what I mean by that, because there, there are five components that exist that you need to start to own and truly understand that is far better than any sort of qualification criteria. Yes. Before we get to the five, <laughs> before we get to the five, I'm actually really curious on this because it sounds like, and we've said this before on the podcast, and it's something that you know we may be a little redundant about. It's our belief, especially here at the science on the science side, that everything in life has a season. Everything has a rhythm and a cadencing to it. And when we when we're starting a conversation cold from scratch, interrupting, right? Like I personally haven't seen in my career the the one call close. I mean, it's like a unicorn Never. these days. Never. And well, I mean, you think about it, any deal over $10,000 involves at least eight to 10 people in the buying decision. So minimum, you're never going to get one call close, right? Minimum, right? So so the point is, is like also on the qualification front of, of why it makes no sense to me is why would you put anything in the way of of literally opening up that conversation and letting it evolve into what we call, would call a sales cycle? Right, like, <laughs> like there's yeah. no cycle there. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I think it's time and pressure. I think there's, I think unfortunately, our incentive structure that we've set up has has forced the the behavior. Thank you, Aaron Ross. By the way, I grew up with Aaron Ross, so I can talk shit about him. But I also believe he needs to get off his fucking high horse and and <laughs> and like grow up a little bit because the shit that he's touting is is old. But but it, but at the end of the day, you know, it's like it's because there's some pressure. Like I have to book. 15 meetings this week, right? Otherwise, I'm not going to get my number and I'm not going to get, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get paid. So I'm all about booking meetings. And to me, that's the close, right? It's like, all I'm trying to do here is just have a conversation with you just enough air so that I can get you to book, a, you know, agree to a meeting, right? Cool. That's how the rhythms objective. started. Right, right. But, and, and look, and that may be my objective, but, but at the end of the day, I don't even know, I, you know, I think, I think part of it is, is like when I go into every conversation, I have no idea if this is a good fit. Right. Really no idea. Because at the end of the day, the good fit isn't just like your problem and our solution align well, but it's also timing, relevance, messaging, like catching you in the actual right, right frame of mind when you're not like thinking about 18 other things and, and really not fully paying attention to our conversation. Right. So there's so many elements that go involved that are involved in our conversation. And so I think I think that a level of transparency and honesty needs to be needs to be a part of every conversation that we have. Right. That's number one. More. I think I think number two, we also have got to slow down in order to speed up, meaning we have to do more work ahead of time and we have to get better at being able to assess somebody in a matter of 30 seconds or less. Because if they call you, you've got to assess like 
what do you understand about their business in a matter of 30 seconds? I do this exercise all the time. So we can just do it live right now. So Eric, let's let's talk about Eric Harry. So Box, what do you think about Box.com? What's going on in their business? Are they growing? Are they focus on costs? Are they are they mitigating risk? Like what's going on with their business, just in general? As a as a now public company, they're entering the phase of growth where they're managing that growth like crazy, as far as I could tell. Okay. Their what their else? sector too is not not new under the sun anymore. Ah, right? yes, right. So if they're not if their sector is not really new and they're not coming out with a whole lot of new technology or new announcements, then they're likely in the game of what? It's well, like they're in the game of margin. Yeah, for sure. And maintenance mode and and basically like what we would refer to here is more of a blood red ocean, kicking out competitors or incumbents to build market share. Yeah, yeah, totally. So so just for everybody listening, what we're doing right now is we're doing a real live exercise of like hypothesizing about what's going on in the business. Now, right. here's the first thing that I'll here's the here's the first thing that I'll tell you in this kind of step of five. You have to come to every conversation with a hypothesis or a point of view about their business. And that every business on the planet it's focused on one of three things. Now it, it changes throughout the course of the year, but every company on the planet, regardless of industry or size, is focused in one of three areas as a strategic initiative, right? Top line growth, revenue, managing, cutting costs, mitigating risks, right? Now, if you think about Box just in general, of course, they're always gonna be focused because they're a SaaS company on top line revenue. However, to your point, it's a They've been around for a while. The industry itself that they're in is pretty mature. And so they're in the margin business. So they've got to manage costs at the same time as trying to grow top-line revenue. In addition, if you've also read in the news, that's there's a whole lot of questions as to whether or not they're going to get it acquired. So they're trying to maintain a certain level of profitability. They can't expend excessively, right? They're not going to go out and just waste on hiring or on technology. So if I'm reaching out to them, I know cost is going to be a real issue and challenge for them. I know top line revenue is important. They're hiring like crazy, but they've got, they've got to do it in a, man, in a way that's managing their profitability. So interesting, strategic initiative. I've got a hunch or a hypothesis that they're focused on managed growth, yeah. right? And profitability. Cool. So what? So what does that mean? Well, the next thing that I need to do, and by the way, this is my hypothesis and it's just my point of view. Here's the key. It doesn't have to be right. Exactly. So, so all you have to do is just have a point of view. So Eric, if I come to you and I'm talking about science and I'm like, wow, you've got 1,100 employees in your outsourced SDR you know, farmhouse here. You've got a lot of competitors in this space. Like how the hell have you managed to, to grow and, and how much more upside is there when you're already at 1,100 people? This is just my brain thinking sure. about your business. Like we've never talked about what your business is. I just did a little bit of research before we got on, on this call. And so I'm thinking, well, Huh, I wonder what their strategic initiative is. I wonder what they're focused on. And, and, and again, I'm pontificating, I'm kind of hypothesizing here. And my, my hunch is, is that you guys are actually kind of pouring more fuel on the fire and you think that there's a huge opportunity because companies don't want to invest as much in their SDR farms, if you will, because those are all the farm teams that lead into AEs and you can't overhire there because they have nowhere to go. And it's also incredibly competitive. Do you know how hard it is to hire SDRs right now? Holy shit, so hard. super expensive, right? So, so why not outsource? So I kind of feel like your business is probably doing quite well. Just a hunch. Well, you, you would be right. And and the thing that's interesting is, you know, and we say it all the time here, we're not a cost center and we're not seen by any of our clients as a cost center either. That's awesome. That's right? Because awesome. we, we're associated with growth. Um, when we're working well and winning, it's a it's a virtuous cycle where everyone in the value chain wins. 
including yes. the prospects we're reaching out to for new sales conversations that stimulate net new growth at our client company. So, you that's know, that's sweet. Anybody trying to sell the science, by the way, I hope you just listen to this little, yeah. this little bit that Eric just gave you, because that's just gold, what he just told you. Right. All right. So that's that's step number one. And by the way, what you'll notice is when you practice this, it actually doesn't get to, it's not that hard to just kind of come up with a hypothesis about what you think is likely going on. And oh, by the way, as SDRs, if you're focused on a specific industry or vertical, you know, my good buddy, John Barrows and I talk about this all the time, but like get really focused for one week, just call one role, one industry, one segment so that you can continue to build on your hypotheses and learn and develop. It's when you have to context switch so quickly, that's when it really screws you up. Cause I'm like, shit, I'm calling Fox and I'm calling, you know, you know, oil and gas company and I'm calling energy company. Like it's all, I'm all over the place. So step one is building your hypothesis about the company. Step number two then is all is, is like, is now I need to know, well, who am I calling and what do I know about them? And, and what, how is that strategic initiative connected to Eric or connected to Harry? So what do I know about the persona that I'm calling and what problems do they likely have? Because here's the thing, every persona, if you haven't done this homework yet, you should know here are the things they likely struggle with. Again, you don't know for sure, but they likely do in their function, in their role. And oh, by the way, the things that they struggle with, well, how are they connected to that strategic initiative of like, you know, moderate growth or growth by, while maintaining profitability? Cool. So I've got company and hypothesis. I've got buyer persona and understanding their problems. Cool. The third thing I need to do then is I need to bring another company to the table that draws some similarities and parallels. So for example, science, guess what? My good friend, Sam McKenna over at Sam Sales does something similar. She's a hell of a lot smaller. However, right. So I've got like, a, I've got a comparable. And I'm like, huh, maybe that's not really the right comparable because you guys are competitors. So that's Real actually quick. not really all that great. I'll, well, not really. <laughs> um, we'll make sure that Sam's episode airs right before yours. Yeah. She was a guest. <laughs> She's amazing. Right. But she awesome. thing. So if I, if I were reaching out to you at science and let's just say I do work at box, I'm going to bring up other companies that I feel like are similar. So, Hey, by the way, yes. my, fr my, my friend, Sam is also a customer of ours. And Sam was actually telling me that, you know, as the executive in her company, you, these are some of the things that she was struggling with. So if I just, my hunches, my hunch is you, you likely are, have experienced that as well, right? So what I'm doing is I'm bringing now a company in to give me that credibility, but also take me out of the equation because this is, I've got a hypothesis and a hunch, but, but guess what? It's, it's likely validated from the conversations that I've had with one or two companies that I think are really similar. So that's, that's, that's step three. I think the step, beautiful thing about sorry. step three is that when you do that to your point of, even if you're wrong, it's totally okay because you validated it through another company, it still makes you look more educated, not less. And then my yes. instinct as the prospect is to go, well, actually that's great for Sam, but here's why I'm different. And just give you everything. everything. It's a perspective. Oh my gosh. Because when you, when you bring this to the table as the buyer, what you say, what I hear is you've done your homework. You're trying to understand with me and connect and engage. And oh, by the way, my job now is just to validate or refute what you're saying. And holy shit, that's so much easier. Let me just say this right now. Fuck all you sellers that say this phrase. Tell me all. Anybody that says as a seller, hey, so tell me about, tell me about, you know what? Screw you. <laughs> I don't need to be doing all the work. You should be doing the heavy lifting. The moment you say tell me is the moment you're, you're asking me to give you all of the answers and you haven't earned it yet. You don't make the buyer do so much work. Come to conversation with all the homework that you've done and let them just let them just like say yes or no or maybe 
or or let me let me just reorient or recorrect you. Oh, it drives me bananas as a buyer when they're like, well, so tell me about this. And like, no, I don't want to tell you. I want to tell you shit because you haven't earned it because you haven't brought anything to the table. Good Lord. Okay. I only go to step, step four. So step one, hypothesis about the business. Step two, deep understanding of the problems the buyer persona that or the person that you're te- speaking to likely has. Step three, bring a customer or customers to the table. You think there are some similarities so you can draw parallels. Well, like, hey, when I was talking to Sam over here, she was telling me this. Eric, I'm curious if they're, I'm just curious if you've experienced something similar. Step four is what you really want to do is get into what their current state is, right? Yeah. So you should also have a hypothesis about their current environment. What are they, how do they do their job, right? What technology do they use? What's their workflow? Who's involved? What does that current state look like? Because fundamentally in this initial conversation, which is step five, what we're really trying to get to is, look, why on earth, Eric, would you ever want to change what you're currently doing? That's the only question I care to answer in our initial conversation. So all those qualification criteria out the fucking window. If you and I can't come to agreement as to there is a good enough reason for you to consider why, why you might want to change from what you're currently doing today to something else, if we can't get agreement on that, we don't have a lead. We don't have an opportunity. We're not moving forward. Period. Every, I mean, it's it's kind of glib, but this this statement goes in two ways. And I think we've said this on previous podcasts. Every call a sale is being made, either I'm selling you to take you know the next step in a sales journey, or you're selling me in, in a reason you don't need to change. Right. Totally. It's true. So true. Although the moment you throw in the word sale, right. like, it's the you, like, it's just like discovery. Like the moment you use those, I'm, I'm a linguist at heart. I, I studied linguistics. I was going to be a lawyer, but I decided I just had sales in my blood. So I'm going in that direction. Besides my father was an attorney and talked me out of it. So I appreciate <laughs> that. But at the end of the day, like words really matter. The moment they you do. say sale, the moment people are like, oof, I'm being sold to. Ah, the moment you say discovery, it's like, oh shit, Spanish Inquisition. Here comes a whole bunch of questions that I've got to answer. I don't know when it's going to end. Ah, shoot me in the head. Right. So we got to be really careful. And which is why I say like at the, at the end of the day, this is all about having a business conversation. Right. And, 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 and if we approach every conversation, by like, listen, we're just here to talk about your business and how we can help you help you. And by the way, this is a, how we can help you grow. Oh, gee, thanks. No. What if I said, we're here to help you to go from number three to number two, because I know in your industry, you're, you're ranked number three. And I also read in your 10 K that you wanted to get to number two, maybe not even number one. But let's just start with number two because you got it. That's the first step in the process. So that's it. Five steps. Hypothesis about the business, understanding of their persona and all the things they likely struggle with, a company or companies that you bring to the conversation that are similar, right? An understanding of what their current state is, and then a fundamental discussion about why would they ever want to change that. Period. There you go. There's your qualification. So since you're a linguist and I mean, if we're focusing on semantics, you could almost say you're replacing qualification criteria with conversation criteria. Oh, shit, for Harry. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to high five you on that one. I love it. Yes. <laughs> Conversation criteria. It's true. That's what, we, that's what we're having. And by the way, like, you know, we were investors in Chorus and Conversation Intelligence, right? That's like Chorus and Gong created that whole category because it's like, hey, this is all about like, how do we extrapolate what's really happening in the conversation? Well, and the meat on the bones there too really lives in step two and three, in in my opinion. I, I'm glad that you laid that out, you know, around, hey, you got to know the persona and you got to have some lookalikes. You've got to have a hunch. Totally. Because the thing that's the unfair advantage, right? And I'll use this as kind of a, a 
provocative statement. The unfair advantage that an SDR has is they get to talk to the same personas day in and day out. So they can actually learn. They can actually drop, oh yeah, I was just talking to another CMO the other day and here's what they were saying. Oh, here's what you know they can bring to the table, even in this role that oh, you, know, so you said it's so underloved true. earlier. Well, and so that's the thing. So if we if we can teach if we can teach our SDRs those five steps, then guess what? The SDRs come can can they do two things. Number one, they can elevate the conversation. Yep. Right. And number two, the handoff to the AE is significantly better because you know what it says in the notes. In Eric's words, he said, here's why he would potentially want to change, period. Oh, great. So let's just validate, reiterate. Here's what I understand. Awesome. Now, as the AE, you know what my conversation is really all about? Why now? Why do this now versus waiting three, six, nine months? Because look, 60% of all well-qualified deals end up in dead, no decision. Why? Because we have no sense of urgency. Right. Because unfortunately, we're still focused on the problem that we can solve for them. We're like, yes, yes, yes. We can reinforce them to come to the conclusion as to why they want to buy versus like, no, 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 we both agree that here's why it would make sense to change. Now let's really spend the time on the value of why it would make sense to change now, right? So as an SDR, you're getting away from all this qualification BS, which is again, the check boxes of, of what we don't want to have in a conversation as a buyer. I never want to go through that with you ever, ever, right. ever. And so, but if you come to me with like, hey, listen, you know, and preparing for this conversation, Eric, you know, one of the things I was doing is I was, Really, I was trying to think about your business and what you guys are doing, and and you know, I kind of have a hunch about where I feel like you guys might be, what you're focused on, right? And then in that hunch, you know, and understanding your role, here's some of the things that might I'm kind of guessing you likely struggle with because guess what? I was talking to Sam over here over at Sam Sales, and she was telling me that you know a year ago she was really struggling with these things. How is that resonating with you, right? Like, cool. Now let's talk about. You know, now let's talk about you know your your current state and what you're currently doing. And by the way, I like the I have a hunch about that too because I've talked to 18 other Erics over the last seven days, and here's what they told me. And so I'm more I'm curious, like is this is this pretty similar? And then okay, cool. So why would you ever want to change what you're currently doing? Yeah, and even if you kind of withdrew it and made it a kind of a soft question, would you care if I share what I've been learning from other CMOS? I mean, oh. yeah, totally. What I've been learning, so key here, key to that right there. Again, Harry, I'm linguist here. What I've been learning or what I've learned or what I've heard from others just like you. Oh, shit. That's what I want to know. We talk about in the challenger world, teach, tailor, take, take control, but they don't often talk enough about like, how do you teach somebody? I'm an SDR. How do I teach an executive? Well, this is how you teach them. You share what you've learned from other execs just like me, right? The things that they have the thing is things that they've shared with you are the things you've un uncovered. And it's, um, and by the way, it's, you know, as a, as a buyer, this is the kind of conversation I want to have. I don't want, and, 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 and one of the things you'll notice, first of all, you can get through those five steps in 90 seconds. It doesn't take long. A lot yep. of people think like, ah, oh, like my checklist is faster. No, -uh, no way. This is a well thought out, easily navigated conversation. So you can get through it quickly. But you got to practice. You got to practice. You got to practice. You got to practice. And your team needs to help you understand the industries that you're going after and what you need to know about them and the hypotheses that you can build, the personas that you target and the problems they likely struggle with, the current state of the people that you're likely calling into and what they're likely about, right? And maybe some hypotheses about why they might want to change. So, so hello, support teams. Build all this for your SDRs, SDR leaders, build all this for your SDRs so it becomes a lot easier to engage in this conversation. The other thing is, you'll notice, 
I could get through this, whether that's in 90 seconds or five minutes, and I have not talked a thing about, I happen to work at Emergence Capital, or I work at Box. Said nothing about it, because guess what? When you engage me in a business conversation, I am, I am, I am like, I'm basically, what you're doing is you're peeling apart the layers, the bricks, if you will, that I put up the moment I got on this call and I realized you're a salesperson, right? The moment I get on the call, I'm like, oh, it's a sales call. It's like, the walls come up. And so in that conversation, what you're doing is you're actually helping me to break down some of those walls, those bricks in the wall, where when you do share with me a little bit about who you are and your why we should continue to have a conversation, I'm open and willing to listen. At the end of the day, often what ends up happening is we start with, we tend to lead with why us, and we expect the buyer to back themselves into why now, why change, right? Or why change, why now? Either way, you want to look at it. So, but guess what? Like, don't, again, you're putting the onus on me as the buyer. You're putting, that's the homework on me that I've got to figure all this shit out. I'm like, I don't have time for this. And so guess what? Dead, no decision. I was interested because we got along. Maybe you did a good job building rapport. I'm like, okay, I had another conversation. Now all of a sudden I'm looking at pricing. I'm like, what the fuck? I, I, I don't have time for this. Put it off to the side. You, you bug the shit out of me for two solid weeks. I don't respond. I ghost you basically. And it becomes dead, no decision. So you, the reality is you've got to earn the right to talk about why us. So here's a little twist. Let's just say someone calls you back and they're like, okay, got your message. Really curious. Heard a lot about your company. What do you got? <laughs> the very first in instinct as an SDR is like, okay, cool. Let me tell you all about our company. Hey, here's my 90 second elevator pitch. That's awesome. Good for you. How about this? I'm going to suggest you try this. Well, Eric, I really appreciate you calling me back. I would love to have a conversation about who we are and our view of the world. However, honestly, I don't know if I really feel like I've earned the right to do that. What I'd love to do is I'd love to have a business conversation so I can better understand where you are and also share some of the things that I've learned from 18 other Eric's that I've just talked to over the last two days, just to see if there's some, if there's some synergy between some of the things that you might be struggling with and some of the things that we've helped other companies just like you would. So how about we spend the next 90 seconds, two minutes, just sharing some things that I, I kind of thought about your business as I was preparing for our conversation when I first called you. And then we can get into kind of my view of the world and how we think we, we you know, that can share some, some ways in which we've helped you and helps others just like you. Pretty hard to say no to that. I mean, how? it's possible. You can't. Like, like, you can't. Like, the fact that somebody owns the fact, like, dude, I haven't earned the right to actually tell you all about us. It's like, that, I mean, you want to talk about like, like, like reorienting someone's energy. They'd be like, well, so, what? I, <laughs> who's, I've never, what, who's, who says that? It's I'm, ultimate, I'm telling you, I'm ready to buy. And you're saying not quite yet. It's the ultimate pattern interrupt because they're yes. trying to check you as a salesperson. You're checking yourself and you're saying, don't worry, I'll handle this. You don't have to be on guard. And to your point earlier, you know, the way that we train it at science, the, the idea that you were sharing is all the cool kids are doing it. Kind of combining the idea that people want to be educated with fear of missing out and realizing that I can tell you all the wonderful things I can do for you. And you're not going to believe a word I say. But if I yeah. tell you that somebody else was able to use me to accomplish A, B, and C, who's just like you, all those walls go away. So yeah, we call it all the cool kids are doing it. And the last point that you made that I wanted to call out for our audience is so many SDRs ask us, how do I stand out in an SDR org? How do I make an impression and show that I'm one of the best? And don't get me wrong, set a million meetings. That's the first answer. The second answer though, is in addition to impressing your direct supervisor and everyone else, if you have all of the people you're setting meetings for, you know, your clients are the salespeople. 
And if you have those people constantly begging for your meetings, it will be noticed. Their bosses yep. will, will notice it. The, the sales leaders will notice it. We had a guest very early on named Sam Silverman over at Outreach. We used to fight for all of his meetings. And he actually did something that you said it very specifically, which was he would give us notes that forget all the other criteria. We had a million fields in Salesforce you could fill out. His notes were, here's how you're going to sell them. Yep. This is what you're going to sell to them. You're going to tell him this. He cares about that. Here's why he's interested in outreach. If you go down this path, you'll probably have a good opportunity. And man, did we fight for those meetings. That's that's all we wanted. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, look, unfortunately, the salespeople were a little lazy. I mean, I was like, you're handing this to me on a silver platter. Hell yeah, I want to take that because everything else I got to do requires 100 100 times more work, right? And I got to re-qualify, re-qualify, right? Go through a discovery conversation. Um, I'm willing, look, here's the thing. If you do this well, if both the SDR and AE do this well, I I guarantee you can close 10% of your deals without ever doing a demo. Yeah, I think that's right. right. Here, here's a challenge, you know, see if see if you can, whoever your AEs are as SDRs, see if you set a challenge for, for the end of the quarter. If a, a set or whatever your, your criteria are for something being passed off to an AE gets closed without them having to do a demo, then SDR should get a bonus. Thousand bucks, five thousand dollars. I always challenge all of our sales leaders and all of our AEs. I'm like, show me a deal that you've done without doing a demo that's more than ten thousand dollars, and give them a bonus. Oh yeah, because if you do this well, then like it's like it's the credibility, it's the it's the empathy, it's the connection, it's the it's the it's the everything aligns so easily. It's like, all right, let's let's do this. I don't I don't need to see this. Let's just put it in. You're gonna get well, you more value out of it. It's funny what you're suggesting is actually as old as time, right? Like you started yes. off by talking about how you're the original OG, but this is Dale Carnegie stuff, right? Like yeah, this totally is, is interested is interesting and and the ability to like wrap everything that we're thinking and saying and doing on the SDR front in the guise of the people we're talking to, not ourselves. It's not all about us. It's not me, me, me. It's, <laughs> you know, like, hey, I've got a hypothesis about your business. Hey, I did my homework on you. Hey, here's what I'm noticing. And and even then getting into a dialogue and a conversation, here's what you're saying. It's interesting, labeling, mirroring, et cetera. So these are the kinds of things that to me are a recipe for standout, explosive success. Yeah. And you're right. It's not new. It's not rocket. It's not necessarily rocket science. It is, but I think it's a rebirth because like I said in the very beginning, we got we just we dumbed down the SDR role to like the 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 most minute uh, way of being able to measure their activities, and it's like that's all we've turned them into. And it's like, dude, elevate them because you know what? You know why? You, 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 the, the the perfect the, the perfect example of of how we have just wronged the SDR universe for such a long time is when you take an SDR and you turn them into a closer, you put them into a commercial sales role, and they're just like. They, they fail miserably. They flail. They're all over the place. They don't know what they're doing. Why? Because we're talking about how to qualify using some qualification criteria. We never really taught them to have a business conversation. We never taught them how to build credibility, empathy, and connection. We never taught them how to close, how to navigate all the, the multitude of conversations, how to give feedback or share back what you've learned. Because in every deal, if there's over eight to 10 people involved in the buying decision, you've got to learn how to build consensus. Yeah. Right. Well, how do you build consensus? Well, guess what? I'm going to share. I'm going to share, you know, to Eric, what Harry shared with me in our conversation. I'm going to copy both of you on the email. What do you know? Right. It's like, those are the things that you need to know when you are in the world of an AE, but it starts with understanding how to, how to assess 
a company and an individual in a role rather quickly so you can build your hypothesis and have a real business conversation. That's where it all starts. So you have a very interesting perspective. You know, you work with a lot of up and coming organizations. You help people grow and scale. A lot of them are probably building their first enterprise sales development team for the very first time, or they've just built yep. it and they're trying to figure out how to make it work. How do you teach them to do that? How do you teach them to build an organization that empowers sales development reps to actually think this way? So we do this, I, I do this workshop. We do this work. So I actually turn it into a real life workshop. I'm like, cool. Here's the deal. Well, first of all, I walk them through the model on a multitude of occasions. I record it. I send it to them. But I walk them back through it. We talk about it. Like the things, what do you notice? Like, oh, because here's the thing. I can tell you all these things, but it's like, or it's just like, you know, it's like when you notice, you're like, oh, well, you know what? You know, it, it feels like it's a safe, safe place where we can have a conversation. Like, yes, see, now you're feeling and experiencing it. Because I can tell you all day long to do these things, but until you actually feel that, it becomes very different. And then we, then I show it. I'm like, cool, give me a company. <laughs> I put myself on the spot, which sucks sometimes because they're like, uh, you know, a company I've never heard of. I'm like, I, 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 you got to give me something that I, I've heard of. Give me like, come on. I can't, you can't shoot me blind. You can embarrass me, but whatever. I like, like, let's just make this a little bit more interesting. And then, and, and then I'll turn around. I'm like, cool. Let's talk about some of your, your industries or companies in your industry. So the, the sales leader that will, will talk about this beforehand. And then we're going to, we're going to, we're just going to do it live. And then my, my homework is you keep doing this over and over again, your next team meeting, come about the company. What's going on with this? What's our hypothesis about this company? What's going on in the industry? What, like this role, VPSCS, what are the problems they likely struggle with? Awesome. Great. What's their current state most likely entail? Great. So the more you can do that, and again, of course, you could build it out, right? So it's like, I know as an SDR, it's like, this is all what I need to know when I'm calling CS leaders or sales leaders or, or IT leaders, then it becomes easier. But it's all about practice. Well, it's really about building the muscle, right? Like yes, you, you have totally. to fail. You have to do the practicing because that's where the muscle tissue builds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, right? The, the, the ripping down, so to speak. Yeah, totally. But the cool thing it. is, you know, with SDR work, it is about the daily practice, right? Because there is always a bank of activities or tasks you have to perform, right? Like yep. every single day with, with X number 100%. of contacts. 100%. Rinse and repeat. And by the way, you're all lucky because you're not in an environment where if you don't excel, you'll get fired. Right. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it, it's true. Like we, we just don't, we, we don't, we don't torment SDRs and AEs the way old companies like, you know, the PTCs, the Oracles of the world. Well, you know, it's funny Siebel. when you, when you were describing your days at Oracle, the movie Boiler Room actually popped into my mind that in wall street, yes. you know, picturing you as a Bud Fox character. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> dialing for dollars. Dialing dial for dollars. I mean, like you would go out on a weeknight and you know drink too much, and then we'd all like it'd be like I, we'd want to take a break because we just pounded out like fifty calls and like in, and in three hours, and we're like, oh my god, I'm so tired. I just need a nap. And we crawl under one person. One person we rotate because we're all in, like these little cubes. One person crawl under the desk, take a little fifteen minute power nap. We had like our signals that hey, hey, wake up! Like you know, boss is coming by. It can't be. Or, or, you know, you, we have the one spot where you could hide out where no one could see you, even if they did come by. And, you know, <laughs> it was very, very boiler room-esque, but uh, just amazing amount of fun. And, and honestly, some of my closest friends, even to this day, are from those early days uh, as SDRs at, at Oracle. And they're all execs, all of them. 
you know, morality aside, not saying people should work in actual boiler rooms, but working in a place <laughs> like that, it's such a good early career experience to, to work in that kind of a, a dynamic and just get comfortable. Again, not the morals, but the other parts of that. Of that movie. <laughs> yeah. It's true, well, but like, uh, but, but here, you know, we can, we can riff on this for, for a minute here. And, and then I actually do have to go. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to be at, but you know, the, the thing that we could riff on is like, what is appropriate in that environment? Like, I feel like there is an element of like, how do we, how do we create an environment where there is discipline where there really is consequences? If you're not, if you're not doing the work, right. I feel like we're in this environment today where it's like, everyone's just so nice and it's just so easy. And we're all about, everyone gets trophies for just showing up. It's like, fuck that. Do the, do the work. Bottom 10%, you're out every quarter, bottom 10%, you're out. Now, of course, the challenge is you got to have a huge farm of people who you can replace them with because hiring is so, it's just an expensive and costly process. So maybe there's economically that doesn't quite make sense today as it did before. And also culturally, yes, we're in a very different place and environment. And, you know, we want to be nurturers today versus the disciplinarians. But like, how can we go back to that? I'll give you a great example. So all of us who are ex-Oracle, we're all, we're all working a box. I'll never forget this. And it was the end of the quarter. And it was like, uh, it, you know, it was the end of the quarter and it's like two o'clock in the afternoon and literally two thirds of the sales organizations in the, like the main area, you know, cafe area that we've got having beers, playing ping pong, playing music. And it's like two in the afternoon. And our CRO, I remember, I remember walking up to him. I'm like, how the fuck is this okay? How is this okay at two o'clock on the last day of the quarter? Like, let's just go through and everybody that's in there, we're going to check to see where the, how they're doing. And it's not just, did they hit their number for the quarter? It's like, is Salesforce up to date? Is like, you know, do you still have opportunities in the pipeline that are scheduled to close today and you're out there drinking beers, right? Like if your shit's not clean and it's two o'clock in the afternoon and you haven't hit your number at two o'clock in the afternoon, get your ass back to your desk and do the work, right? If your shit's clean, you've hit your number and you're good, then go for it. Hang out, celebrate. I don't care if it's noon or 9 a.m., doesn't matter. But, but like, <laughs> yeah, that was a really fun, um, it was a bit of a buzzkill, of course, because, you know, we walked in the room, we're like, hello, turn the music off. You, you, like <laughs> all of you, get the fuck back to your desks. It was a good, it was a good wake up call, to be honest. Sometimes work has to be done. Yeah, yeah, work has to be done, for sure. Well, with that, I know you have to run to a dinner. This has been a pleasure. You know, we could talk to you for hours. Uh, you've made our jobs <laughs> easy today. But this has been a pleasure. And I think this perspective that you bring to the table is very refreshing after uh, there's a lot of good from the evolution of our space, but also there's a lot that's come with that. And, and hearing yeah, just totally. kind of, let's take a step back. Let's remember why we're here in the first place, I think is really yeah. helpful for a lot of our listeners. So thank you so much for joining us, Doug. And where can our listeners then, find you uh, to find out more information? Just find me on LinkedIn. I'm just Doug Landis. I'm not much of a Twitterer. Is that even, the, is that the right way even to say it? I don't, I really, <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm not much of a tweeter. I spend most of my time on LinkedIn. That's where I post all my thoughts and my, my, my rants, especially about everybody who's like title inflated and claiming, by the way, I've got my, I, this is my new mantra and I'm getting it tattooed on my body. You can't claim your brand. Your brand claims you. I love period. that quote, by the way, you're talking about expertise and claimers. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. So true. Oh man. Well, that's an awesome quote to end our podcast with. So thank you so much for joining us, Doug. Awesome. Have a fantastic you, dinner. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks both Harry and Eric, but you guys are great.